0: Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Hello and welcome to Killer Women podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air global network with more than 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author, Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Eliza Jane Brazier. Eliza is an author, screenwriter, and journalist. Eliza entered the horse world at the age of five and has worked as a writer, horse trainer, and writing instructor. She currently lives in California with her horse and dogs, where she's developing her
1: books for television. Welcome, Eliza. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's kind of scary, though, when you say there's 4 million uh, listens or whatever. Right. (laughs) Wait a minute. Well, right. (laughs) I don't know if everyone's tuned in,
0: but I ho- hopefully a lot of them, because this is such a fun book. I love this. And um, I didn't, I know only enough about horses from like dude ranches and camp to be, to be dangerous, but it was really fun to get into this whole world of, of horses and <laughs> horse owners and all, you know, it's a crazy clan. So tell our listeners about girls and their horses.
1: Okay, well, so girls in the horse in their horses is um, the story of a mother who is looking to connect with her daughters through their sh- shared love of horses, right? And they move to this elite community in Southern California, and they dive into the sort of all-consuming horse world um, with like egotistical trainers. There's like cliquey mean girls, like competitive mothers, um, and just as they're drawn deeper into this really like enigmatic world, it becomes more and more clear that someone is headed for tragedy.
0: Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I love it and, yeah. and there is so first of all there's so many fun things about this but let's talk about your experience because you've been riding horses since five and I kind of want to hear like you know is it a family thing that you got you know into this Was it you know is everybody in your family horse riders but I'm also curious no. about <laughs> what it was like I was no. I'm also curious about what it was what it's like in the in this world because yeah is it like this
1: I mean, I mean not let everybody, me, but yeah, yeah no, course, I mean, this is like, okay, the horse world is like, there's like a lot of like, really like tiny little factions, like within the horse world. And there's a lot of different disciplines and types of horses and just areas and everything. So I grew up actually outside of where this, like probably 10 minutes away from where this book is based, which is Rancho Santa Fe, uh, California. And I actually like grew up across the street from a horse stable. Like there was a horse stable across the street from my backyard, like by chance, kind of. Right. And then I guess my grandfather also worked in the horse racing world, but he was in the bedding side. So not like actually with horses. So that's like my only kind of, I guess, the reason I started riding is because of like proximity, you know? Yeah. Um, but I just got super into it, like as a kid. And I started working at the horse stable when I was really young. So there's like a common thing that's called like a working student where you're sort of like a volunteer at the horse stable, and it's like free childcare for parents. Yeah. and It's like, right. you know. I got to be around horses. So I loved it. So I basically like lived at the barn as a kid. Like I would be there like from the end of school until dark. And then like on the weekend, you know, it was closed on Sunday, but all day Saturday had like my groups of friends and everything that we were just obsessed with horses. Um, And then, you know, when I went off to college and everything, I stopped riding and I actually stopped riding for like 10 years because I moved to London that, I mean, I could not even afford like to look at a horse. I mean, the problem, I guess, with the horse industry is that it's really inaccessible. So it's like, if you can't afford to have your own horse, um, your only really way to be around horses is to work in the industry. So after my husband died, um, I went actually to a dude ranch in Utah like with my family, like by kind of just, you know, just for like a family reunion. And they had horses and I got to like, I went and rode and did like the morning roundup and all this kind of stuff. And I just really reconnected with it. And I was like, you know what, like, this is what I want to be doing. Like, I feel like I could like, this was like, I felt like this was where my life was like kind of pointing me to try to find like kind of some sense of like happiness and sort of, you know, all that. So I was still living in London and I started applying to all these dude ranches And I got a job at this dude Ranch in Northern California. And that's actually like ended up being the inspiration for If I Disappear, which was like my first adult novel that came out a few years ago. Um, And then I worked there for a little bit, didn't really work out. Um, So I ended up going and working at a barn in Orange County. And I was actually like, I was teaching like I did horse camps and riding lessons. And so I would teach like, um, sort of like the children of like the rich and famous, let's say. And that's kind of where a lot of the inspiration for this book came. And then I also, then I guess went over to LA and did the same thing in Los Angeles. Um, Yeah, and that's kind of where the germ of like inspiration for this book came just because I would observe the kind of different dynamics between parents and their children. And like, I would, you know, see these parents who had sort of grown up and not had this kind of access to horses who then would bring their kids um, and want them to have it. And maybe the kids didn't have necessarily the same dream. And it was just interesting to me because I feel like I don't think it's like a bad impulse to want your kids to have the things that you never had and to have this kind of thing that you think is so important and magical and special. But at the same time, as, as, you know, the child, it can be, it can become kind of dangerous, you know? Right. So it's interesting. And, I love, yeah, these kind of questions of like, you know,
0: Well, and it's such, I mean, it's such a prevalent theme in the book and in the world where like, you know, parents live vicariously. Right. It's like, sure. I mean, this, you know, this woman um she absolutely wants her children to be these fabulous writers and she has one daughter who's interested but the mother's interest actually sort of deters her from wanting to ride right because your mother's like in your face all the time and then the younger daughter is like not that interested uh and there's you know the mother pushes them it is a really and there's so much interesting things also, about this family because they're kind of nouveau riche, right? They, they weren't, but they're not sort of old money or they're really recently wealthy. And, and sort of the mom thinks like, okay, well now that we're wealthy, we gotta, we can spend this money on, um, you know, on these incredible horses and the dollar, the price tags on these horses, <laughs> which I'm sure is, I'm sure there are horses that, I'm sure there's horses that cost yeah. <laughs> way, way more, but the ho- ho- price tags on horses make it a little bit, you know, it's like, do you want to have a home for, or do you want a horse? Yeah.
1: I mean, that is like one thing, like I somewhat inflated because it's hard to predict, I guess, like how the market would go. But I mean, I think hundreds of thousands is super believable. Um, But I also do feel like I was like, well, you know, it's totally possible that the trainer would also inflate the price, just knowing how much money they have and how much, how little they know. But then at the same time, like for you to find a horse that could do like compete at the top levels and then also, like, carry around some little, you know, kid who doesn't know what she's doing. I mean, that horse would be worth a million dollars. Like, I don't even yeah. know if it exists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right.
0: It's, I mean, and uh, anyway, that is so interesting. I mean, so in the, um, you know, it, it, there's a lot about this book is also about sort of the impact of money, right? And I think that's something yeah. you sounds like you've had some experience with in your real, in your real life and sort of the way it changes relationships, not just, the, you know, the kids, but also like the parents and the parents, you know, the Parker parents are also dealing with some, you know, some difficulty. And so, yeah, students yeah, Heather the mom is sort of reflects on the fact that this money is both a blessing and a curse and yeah. I'm you know, I'm curious about your thoughts on that because that's a big theme well, in the book as well
1: yeah and then like my last book was about money as well and you know what's like weird is because people are always like why are you writing about this but it's like I think that like on a subconscious level so before I started like having success with books and stuff like I was living like below the poverty line with my husband for like a decade and yeah. then like I have made a lot of money through this like I mean, compared, I obviously I'm not a freaking millionaire or a billionaire, but like compared to where I was, like, I'm, you know, it's like, it's to me, it's crazy. And I think that I'm really uncomfortable with it. Uh And I feel like that's why I'm always writing about it. Almost like that. It's like a horror thing because it is really weird to go from like, and especially like I was in my twenties, like that's such like a kind of time that establishes like how you view the world and to go from one extreme to the other, it is really like. It's weird. It, it, there is like a side of it that's, I think it's kind of scary and surreal, you know? So I well, think that's yeah. what draws me into it. And I and feel like, because I was wondering, I'm like, why do I keep writing? Do I not like having money? Like what's happening? Well, I know I know that because,
0: you know, your last book, Good Rich People is very, you know, it does have that same, it has that similar theme, but I think there's something about that that's, it's really interesting. I think even when you have money, if you haven't had money, there's the fear of not having money again. And yeah. it's such a weird asset, right? Like, and especially, I mean, as a writer, my God, like oh, you, know, yeah. you and I both you know. know, it's like, yeah. it's, it's, it can be feast or famine.
1: So you're like, yeah. you know, how do I, how do I maintain, you Yeah, know- well, that's the, you know, it's coming, you know, and you're always just thinking, okay, is this going to be the year when everything starts to go downhill? Like, it's like, do I need to be prepared? What am I going to, I'm always thinking like that. Right. And there's another side of me too. Like, this is like, you know, that goes, gosh, I really wish that I didn't have so much. And I had to actually struggle and do stuff because sometimes things feel too easy and it can feel kind of boring, which God, I mean, I shouldn't even say that. Not, I know. A not weird side to <laughs> it too. You know, Or it's no matter where you are, you're going to be like, oh, I want to be here. <laughs> it is. A,
0: I mean, it a, it is fraught and you see like, you know, I mean, and the book is another great example of that is that the wealthiest people, and you know, I've had experience with them you know in my where i grew up and it is like sometimes the wealthiest people are the least happy people you will ever meet in your whole life so there's this other idea is that you know money provides security to a certain point of course but the parker family is way beyond that and and yeah yeah
1: there's a there's a point exactly what you're saying and they're not
0: that they're not that happy right none of them is pretty i mean they have moments but none of them is like in a great place so let's talk about the um, mean girls because the other thing I love mm-hmm. about this book, and of course, if you've been a girl, which we both have, um, you know that there are mean girls everywhere. But the mean, these mean stable girls, and you can totally see why Vita. Vita is the, you know, she's the sort of she did what you did, right? She grew up in this in the barn. She's not from yeah. a, a wealthy background. She. know she basically is there because she works there but she gets to ride the horses and 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 she's desperate to be really really good and wants to be trained by the best and, and and she has such a wonderfully nuanced personality right i mean her her hurt her internal pain comes out in these just vicious you know she's hurting and you and that's why she's so kind of lovable even though she's so so awful awful right so yeah I was, you know, from that perspective, like, you know, what's it like, what was it like for you when you're like dealing, you're kind of living, like you said, not even, in, not a wealthy, even comfortable life. And these people have just, you know, what does it make you feel like- Oh God, I mean, that's amazing. Bit- from- <laughs> I know. Well, you well, know what- I mean, like,
1: well, so for Vita's character, I mean, I definitely like, I mean, I think in the book, like she does, like they did have money at one point. So yes. it's definitely not something that I really experienced. Like they're kind of on a downturn. But when I was younger, I was like in that kind of position where I was the only girl or not the only girl, but I felt, I mean, all my friends had more money than I did. Right. They had like owned horses and leased horses and they were like an only child or like one of two or, you know, and I'm like one of nine. So so, um, I definitely tried to, yeah, like kind of like harness, like a little bit of that kind of feeling of just like the frustration, because I, when I, as a horseback rider, like I never got to achieve remotely what I wanted to because I was held back by money and I kind of got to the point at my barn where I was like too advanced for it but I couldn't go anywhere else because I was working there and my payment was my job like the payment was me getting to ride horses and the job was me riding horses yeah you know so I kind of tried to kind of channel that into that character because I think it's important like no matter if you're if it's sort of like the sort of villain or whatever it is that you have some kind of connection to them so that they feel like um like a real person and you can understand yeah. where they're coming from yeah and then like i guess like for the vita as well like i kind of tried to set up this sort of paradigm where Heather's like the mother and she's trying to decide how much sort of control and how much she should push her kids and she has on the one side kieran who tries to control everything and then on the other side it's like pamela who lets me to do whatever she wants mm-hmm. um and that's like I think that's to me that I like having stories that are built around a question that doesn't have an easy answer. And I feel like the idea of whether you, how much you should influence your kids is a tough question because it's I think people are tempted to go let them be themselves, but it's like you really can't do that because they need somebody to guide them. Otherwise, they're gonna you know go to right. other kids or parents or whatever. So there is right. always some element that you can't just like sit there and be like just go ahead and do whatever you want. Right? You're know, you gonna teach them it's something. It's against <laughs> our
0: nature. I mean, it's really a struggle. I have you know two now grown kids who are twenty three and. 21 and it is really a struggle to be like you got this because you watch them make missteps which they have to make right we all have to make missteps but you kind of think oh if i if i tell them about that then i can protect them but you can't really protect them and it's just a it's impossible
1: no matter what you do you're gonna there's gonna be a positive and negative consequence to whatever your action is so it's like that kind of like having to that kind of weight and responsibility is just so hard like i can't it's even imagine like so i hard. with my dogs and my horse i can't yeah. like, every day i feel bad <laughs> right. for something that i like unintentionally did you
0: know right well that's what we say we i mean you can mess your, you're going to mess them up in different ways but you're still going to mess them up everybody probably needs therapy it's just the way it goes <laughs> yes. but um the other thing i love about you know the the dynamic in the barn is that is that threesome the girl threesome is you know these young girls right um oh, yeah it's Vita, and then it's um, oh god, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up on the the names. Um, yeah, yeah, right? and then, yeah. The, uh, and, maple. And, then yeah, and maple, yeah, maple, maple, who is yeah. the Parker daughter, and Sorry, and, looks and, and the least uh, I don't hear it, so okay. I know my mine will start to bark at some point. But the, it you know she's you know her, uh, Maple is the sort of the the Parker daughter who's not particularly you know interested necessarily in writing and is a little bit awkward right I mean yeah but trying to gain some sort of power and trying to please her mother and meanwhile you know the other two girls are are much better writers Vita is definitely the diva of the group um yeah and there's that like two-on-one that happens right there's the sort of that is such a natural good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I always, I always was like, you know, when my daughter was growing up. I'm always like three threesomes are really hard, like get a fourth or, you know, or make it a bigger group. But she always ended up in a threesome
1: and I was like, this is
0: always going to be really, really hard. So I thought you did such a great job with those girls, you know, really, really. That's so
1: funny. I never thought of like the whole idea of it being three. Um, yeah. That's interesting. But yeah, yeah, I kind of like based that when I was growing up, there was, it was in those, like those years that Maple's in, where it's like that transitional period from elementary school to junior high, which I think is just when everything just goes crazy. There's so many, right? Yes. It's like everyone just is suddenly, everyone just changes overnight and like they're like, you know, suddenly very mature. And yeah. I had like this girl, sort of girl group of six. Um, but we, we called ourselves the barn kids and we just hung out at the barn and we were like this sort of like a clique. And, you know, sometimes we were really, I'm sure that for me, it seemed like, you know, for me, it felt like, oh, you know, we we're all best friends and we we're all so close, but it's like, we, it was just us only. So it's obviously there was people on the outside that probably felt a different kind of way about it, you know? Yeah. So it's yeah. just interesting how you get these groups and man, like we were savage. Like we were, I was reconnecting with them over this book. And my yeah. friend like posted this drawing that one of us had made for the other girl, and it had pictures of all of us and listed all of our what our um, faults were, I guess. So it was like Eliza has big ears, like X has this. It was like, dang, like God, harsh. That is so harsh, but, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Just... It's like we thought, I and mean, we it's it's a joke, you know. Like we thought it was funny at the time, I guess. But really, it was like trying to like freaking, I don't know, sort of destabilize people. It, I mean, it is, it's
0: a power move, right? I mean, it's whoever, you never want anybody to be too confident because then you feel less confident. It's a just yes. a mess. And I think, I really think it's interesting to read about, uh, I mean, young women looking back and being like, wow, that was a brutal time. And it is a brutal, brutal time. So I yeah. really appreciate that. And, I, you know, I mean, I think that is, I think it's so interesting too, that you talk about, like you said, that horse racing really has this incredible barrier to entry you can only Mm. get so far unless yeah and it doesn't sound like I mean there's not like a I mean maybe there are
1: there's scholarships available for kids who you know but there's I mean I think that the internet has changed so much of what everything is and like I think now there's more like accessibility but like I said like this okay so in my sort of view of the horse industry it's like a lot of it, it it relies on people who are like willing to, who just for the sake of being able to be around a horse are gonna work for minimum wage, not have lunches work like around the clock just to be on horses. So it's like, yeah, you can have opportunities where you can go be an intern for a trainer or something like that. But like the competition to be a rider, like a professional rider is very high. I mean, it's, it right. depends also where you are um, like based on where the industry is, but it's like, you know, yeah, there's maybe like, you know, you could have access now with the internet to like an internship and you could go live somewhere, but you're going to be working your bum off. You're not going to have probably any benefits. And it's kind of like a, a short term thing because it's like, there's injuries and health and it's how long can you really do that for? Um, And then I also feel like, you know, where I live in Southern California, like a lot of the barns, like the barn that I grew up riding at is closed down. Like a lot of the barns that made stuff more accessible are closing down and then, you can see some money going into like the higher level of the sport, but that's a very different thing, you know? Right. So it is kind right. of, it's kind of sad to me the way that I think that the equestrian sort of like, I guess like lifestyle is sort of diminishing and becoming I think less accessible in a lot of ways yeah. too. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's sort of like for a long time,
0: we talked about that with golf, like golf was a because of the club fees and all that stuff, but yeah. this is like golf on steroids because <laughs> Good Lord, yeah, it's, it's just, similar
1: though, yeah, like
0: yeah it's it's this, yeah, the access is really, really hard and um, and it does sound like I mean I remember when, when and we had gone um, i' I've, I've been to a dude my family, my dad loved to ride horses, and we would used to go to a dude ranch in in Wyoming, and um you know, you'd meet those the wranglers and the the you know the sh- the crew that worked there, and they were they were you know, they loved those horses. And, yes. but it was so super seasonal. I mean, you know, you're only yeah. there for this amount of time. It's just, a, mm. and then what, you know, what do you do in the winter? I mean, it's, it's a really hard life. Um, you know, and obviously we have a lot of rodeo, I'm in Montana. So a lot of rodeo folks yeah. too, same yeah. thing, right? I mean, that's yeah. a real, and talk about injuries. I'm sure, I mean, I don't I'm not, not going to say there's more injuries in rodeo than equestrian, but it seems like I've seen some of those guys fall and think, oh my God, I don't know how they're, they're going to get back up it's a brutal, yeah. brutal business so I have to ask because you I did not know you were one of nine so yeah that is so interesting to me so um you says doesn't sound like all of your family was writers you kind of got into no. it where do you fall on the
1: line I am the oldest girl and the fourth um child okay and but yeah what, a couple I mean- of my sisters rode here like they took a few lessons here and there and I think they did some like in college they had like a horse class and stuff but not, none of them are really into it like
0: like you are, I would
1: say, yeah. Are there other writers among you? Ah, uh, my sister-in-law is a really successful writer. Uh, oh, Kirsten White. Okay, that is so funny. I love yeah. that. Well, yeah. it's I mean, that
0: isn't that's a lot of um children. <laughs> yes. Yeah, your your percent.
1: mom is a brave, brave lady. I love that. My mom, yeah. She likes to she's very like she likes to be doing stuff. She likes to be busy, man. So she like made herself as busy as possible. She did. She did. And how far apart are you start to finish? Well, it was like over ten years. So yeah, I get a, a child every year, and then there's twins at the end. Yeah, and then now you know because we're older, and so my family's Mormon. A lot of them are married and with children, so I yeah. think that they they have like 25 maybe grandkids. On um, yeah, just so. <laughs> wow. Well, a lot, that, of, people, a lot uh, of babysitting. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's well, that's fun. I mean, as, as long as your mom likes chaos and busyness, she's she's set herself up for that. So tell me, I want to talk a little bit about your process. You know, are you somebody who Plans out a book, outlines it. Are you a pantser? Yeah,
1: I honestly find like when I outline, I feel like the writing feels really dead and forced and it just doesn't like pass muster basically. Like I just get turned around. Totally. So, you know, I... I feel like it depends on the story what works and what doesn't I honestly try now I'm trying to find stories that I feel like have a plot baked into them so that it makes it a little bit easier for me to kind of know where I'm supposed to go I mean I always have like a general arc but this book I completely rewrote You're her that's her wagging tail hitting the desk sorry you're fine (laughs) um yeah this book completely rewrote like we went through so many edits I can't even like it was, this was probably the most intense writing
0: process that I've ever been through. Oh my word. Well. <laughs> She's so cute. I almost feel like we should get a horse in the ha- in the house too so we can get the full picture of, of what it's like <laughs> to be uh, Eliza. Here's my vacuum. But I, but, okay. <laughs> yeah. But I, um, I, yeah. Okay, so that's interesting. So ed- ed- you wrote it and then it was an editorial
1: letter? So, I mean, my poor editor so okay I, I'll, I'll explain it now looking back I feel like I can kind of see what maybe what went wrong so much better but okay so I um i sold this book on three chapters in a pitch right and so I wanted to make the most possible happen in those three chapters so they'd buy the book right. so in the original version someone died in the first three chapters like someone two people had sex like it was just a lot Right, And so then I'm trying to make the book work with that beginning because you think that's what they bought, which is such like a dumb, don't d- think that way. The, as long as you make it better, it's fine, you know, but it's hard to take yeah. that kind of risk to change something. Of course. So I'm trying to make this book work, but when so much happened at the beginning, it was, and then I fast forwarded two years, it was like impossible to keep the tension and like, it felt just like almost like a, and when someone dies at the beginning, it's like a grief book, which is really hard as a thriller. Yeah. You know, and then it was also like the mystery's cold, you know? Yeah. So, and I didn't want to write a mystery really. So I had really like put myself in this position that was bad. So we we're going back and forth trying to make this work kind of going in circles. And it got to the point where I was like, okay, I know they're not happy with it because they keep turning it back to me. And right. now I'm kind of not, I'm not even kind of, I was like, I don't even really like the direction this is going. So I had this total freak out was like, you know, Talking to all my author friends, like, what do I do? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't want to put out a book. I don't want. Like, it was just like, I'm gonna lose my career. Everything's over. Like, I'm very dramatic. Oh, no, and... we're actually, but
0: that's like such a normal. I feel like that is what every author does. Okay, In that yeah. sort of situation, it's, you're right there hopefully, with the rest of us.
1: Hopefully, it totally. makes you feel better. So I, I go. That. I was like, I was like, how can I make this work? And I really tried to look at what was holding me back. And I was like, I can't have the death at the beginning I need to have people being introduced to this world you know like just make it as easy as you're on yourself as you can yeah and so then I re I wrote like 10,000 words sent it to my editor and I was like in such a state of like lunacy that I was like oh you gave me six weeks to kind of do these edits so I thought it'll probably take me two weeks to do those so the other four weeks I'll just rewrite the book and you can decide <laughs> <laughs> what you want you know right you're that's not thinking because t- totally you're trying reasonable. to do what you're right, supposed totally. to do because I'm right. such like a you know I'm like I want to do what I, my job and I we're all on this thing together um but also at the same time I was like felt like it's hard to, you feel like you're like jumping ship but you're really not you and she was like read the beginning was like yeah go for it you know because she's freaking great and like lets me do that kind of stuff so yeah then I rewrote the whole book sent that to her and then did a major edit on that one <laughs> I know. I I
0: I'm like, how do we avoid? I'm literally every book I've written has had there's at least forty thousand words that has to go, and I'm always like, so how do we do this so that I'm not writing like a book and a half? I would really love to figure out how to not write a book and a half. But you know what? My sixteenth book came out yesterday, Eliza, and I'm still doing it. So
1: no, (laughs) it's okay. Okay, the book I'm writing right now, I think I'm not going to have to, but out now because I got like my first edit letter but we'll see. I haven't got the other one yet. She might chicken out.
0: Well, I, um, I'm sure, you know, I do think you get better about some things and then some of it is just the process. Like you said, every book is different and that is so hard, right? It depends
1: on the idea, I think. And it's like the, I mean, at the end of the day, you always, like, if you need to do more work, you always want to, you never want to be like, oh, but I don't want to write 10 books. So I'm just going to, you know, hand over a subpar book, you know, it's actually like And it's great to have an editor that's like willing to do that with you. Yeah. Like that's actually like a humongous blessing to have someone who's be like, who's like, I'm going to like put in all this work that we're going to make this so much better. And it really is way better than it was. Yeah. You know? Right. And
0: you want that for the people who loved your earlier books. You don't
1: want to disappoint them. There's so
0: many layers of it. It's, it's for your pride. It's, you know, it's your career. It's yeah. yeah. And it is a. (laughs) Tricky, tricky, tricky business. So I totally get that. Well, can you tell us a little bit about what's coming next for you?
1: Yeah, my next book is like totally different than this one. I always like to do stuff that's really different than you know, the last thing. I like to challenge myself. This one, and so I because this book was very character-based, I was like, I want to do something that's really plot, like really like plot and twist and da-da-da-da. So basically it's about these um two like contract killers in Europe um who kind of like meet on a train they don't know obviously that the other person is a contract killer they like have sex then they separate from each other because like he was actually shot earlier in the day so he like passes out in the bathroom so they like don't you know and she thinks that he's just sort of like disappeared Then it sort of fast forwards to six months in the future they like meet again by chance in Versailles like by chance so so they think right but really one of them has been assigned to kill the other one and then it sort of like just takes off from there that it's like this kind of like romance thriller twisty going through Europe like it's just super heightened and like really fun. So fun. I love that. Now I hope you go over there for research. My
0: God. Well,
1: I I lived in London. And then yes. when I was younger, I did like, you know, I was like, I don't even know if they have this stuff anymore, but I did like this like URL pass thing, you know, where oh, yeah. you can just go on any trains, right? Yeah. And yeah. so I've been like all over there. And so I really yeah. like it was like nice to be able, like, you know, like through a book, like you go back. Yeah. So it really felt like I was like able to go back there. And it was just like, I mean, I freaking, I mean, I think that Europe, it's so romantic. Like I love the train, like the whole train thing, you know? So like in this book, they like, go to France and Spain and Italy and, you know, know. England. And it's like, it just was like, so nice to pretend. My my daughter graduated from college two
0: weekends ago and she just landed in Granada last night.
1: And she is
0: there for like four, oh, well almost, actually over five weeks with a girlfriend doing oh, exactly awesome. that. I know. Yes, like, just like oh. never
1: leave. Well, except for I, I never. I really did never leave. And it actually like gets to a how point where you, you're just like, how did you, you forget that work? How did you stay in London? Oh, I mean, it was a lot. There's, a, I had, you know, I mean, initially I was on, they used to offer, I don't know if they still do, student work visas where yeah. if you were in college, you could get six months working. So I did that twice. Yeah. Then I went to college. Then I got married. And the only time it was easy. The only time it was ever easy to get a freaking visa is when I was a widow. That was the only time that they were like, oh yeah, here you go. Like, but also maybe because I had some money then, because I had sold some books, but yeah. yeah, it's interesting, man. Cause it was, it's hard. It's like, you have to really be committed. Cause there was, there was a time when I was in school, it was in the middle of like two semesters when for something went wrong with my visa and I had to go home Ugh. and really kind of apply and wait.
0: For, right unless
1: you're gonna pay the extra money which i couldn't I, you have to kind of just wait around and just like hope for the best and then i oh, you know, came back. right right yeah. right well what did i mean
0: that's exa- but that is such an adventure and that opportunity <laughs> it, you'll never specific, right, yeah. it's it just you'll never forget that time i think it's so valuable and i think it's really valuable to see other parts of the world because in my opinion there's a lot of places in europe that are doing things a lot better than the way we're doing them so oh I'm my like, gosh uh,
1: well, like the NHS, like, I mean, the healthcare system here is absolutely, it's appalling and revolting and like, unbel- I can't even believe it. Like I literally went to like the dentist three weeks ago and I was like, this is like, this is like fraud. Like this is like conning. Like I don't get yes. it.
0: Yeah. How is That's this so allowed? True. Yeah, I know. And um, so my daughter's like, she studied in Prague and she's like plotting about how she can figure out how to live in Prague. And I'm like, it works for me. Like, you know, you go, girl. That's awesome. There are like,
1: you can, you know, you just got to be persistent and kind of like, look, cause there's, oper- you know, there's ways mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. School. It's cool. Yeah, it, exactly. You know? It's super, uh it's super cool. But I, um I
0: love that. And, and I'm envious that you got to live there. That is so amazing. So do you have a title for that next book yet? Sometimes those well just- I
1: this it's like a working title, right? Um, so right now it's, I think it's called, it had to be you. That's like, but it'll probably change, you know? So yeah. Isn't like- that, I know. But I love that. <laughs> but it's I like I that. wanted to do something that was just like a romance, but was also like just crazy and had a lot of, you know, um, romantic scenes.
0: I love that. Oh, I can't wait for that one. And and that'll be out sometime
1: late 24 early 25 is that yeah i think like maybe like september of next year or something i don't know okay i don't know i know it, everything, mm-hmm. change, everything changes. everything changes well, for the best i know exactly i'll probably it. have to rewrite that whole book it will be completely
0: <laughs> i hope not because it sounds fabulous so um girls and their horses is out june 6th um yes. which is super exciting and um with actually our, um, our podcast will launch. This will go live on that day. So today is the day as we're, as you're listening to this, that um, Eliza's new book is out girls and their horses. And it is super fun. I mean, I think, you know, it's, I love to read a book where I'm so engrossed in the, in the the world that I don't know anything about that. It just adds a whole nother layer to sort of the fun, um, page turningness of the book which probably isn't a word and I'm a writer. So that's <laughs> bad. But anyway, nice. so thank you so much for joining us today, Eliza. It was so fun to talk to you. I love, I loved your book. Um, I, I'm looking forward to the, um, it had to be you or whatever that is. That, that <laughs> yeah, whatever happens. It whatever <laughs> it's called
1: in the future. I love the yeah. idea of,
0: um, and this, who doesn't love to read about assassins? That's super, super Oh fun. my God, yes.
1: I wanted to like do the craziest thing I possibly could. So it's over the top. But, yeah. so
0: fun so fun
1: thank you um, so much absolutely it was great, great um
0: yeah great to have you here so fun so fun to hear about your your stories and all and um for those <laughs> of you listening this is killer women with eliza jane brazier and her latest book girls and their horses which is her third book right third is this is three or
1: four yeah third adult novel yeah third
0: adult novel and if you missed um good rich people that was the one that came before that um and uh, that's also a fabulous one. I've read those two. I missed the first one, but I'm gonna have to go back. So, um, and and then we will see you. <laughs> we will see fun. you next time. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much.